Yeah, technology does me in every time I turn. It's Psalm 8. Good morning, good to see you in church. God bless you for uh, putting the Lord uh, first today and remembering him. He is uh, worthy of our worship and our remembrance. And, uh, you know, you'll be glad that you prioritise giving the first day of the week to the person who should be first in your life, which is the Lord. So uh, good to have you here. Uh, I pray that this morning our focus just might be on the Lord. Uh, I know that uh, there are always distractions. Life never goes away. Uh, there's uh, you know, a lot of things that can be going around our mind. But I hope you have the ability when you come into church for the few times you do in a given week to just settle yourself down and uh, ask the Holy Spirit to subdue your spirit and just to, to, to illuminate the word, to speak to your heart, to help us to have our focus on the Lord Jesus. What a great song to sing uh, before I come to the pulpit. There's just a great truth there. Something ought to have risen up in your heart to want to worship him when you hear that. It ought to, it ought to stir something in you. Boy, if nothing is stirring you, something is wrong with you. And, uh, you know, I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying you, you ought to examine yourself. If nothing is touching you, nothing is stirring you, something is wrong. Uh, you've, you've allowed your heart to get hardened or you have sin or unforgiveness or bitterness or something is causing a blockage to God's working in your heart. It, it is normal that when you hear the word of God, and particularly when you hear songs that magnify the Saviour, that it ought to move you within. So if that's not happening, examine yourself. And uh, we, uh, we, we all ought to be mindful of that. I, I know that if I'm not moved, I do examine myself. It troubles me. And uh, I, I want to just try to focus. I try very hard, particularly on the Lord's Day, to uh, get my attention on him. I try to settle. I rise early. Uh, I take time to pray. I always uh, come to church uh, early and just try to settle my spirit because I just know how important it is to uh, not let the events of the week or you know, anything that's happened before get in the way of God's working uh, in my life and uh, also as I gather with the Lord's people like we do this morning. Well, we lost Prince Philip uh, just, uh, what, a day or two ago. Uh, I think that's uh, sad. It makes us reflect on a lot of things. Uh, one I, I, that made me just think about uh, that we almost have entirely lost now the generation that went through World War II. And, uh, you know, that's sad because there was something wonderful about that generation of people. And I'll sort of, um, I, I guess my message might, uh, you know, overlap on that, that a little bit. But, but I just remember that, uh, you know, those folks who went through hardship understood what mattered and what didn't matter. And a lot of the things that we say today matter don't matter. And there are other things that do matter and we don't think they matter. And uh, that generation taught us a lot of things. There was... There was wisdom with our grandparents and uh, with our uncles and aunts who went through that time. Uh, they, they had knowledge that they could teach us. They had wisdom. And uh, they, uh, they had endured great suffering. You know, no matter how bad you think it is, Sarah and I were watching History Channel the other night 
and uh, just watching, you know, the Blitz in London and, you know, I, I, History Channel's my wind down and uh, watching someone else's misery for a while. <laughs> but uh, we were watching the, uh, the Blitz and I said, you know, Sarah's saying, oh, that's awful. And I said, yeah, I said, it really reminds you, you know, we think we have it bad, but it really reminds you how difficult it was for people before. I mean, they really had it bad. Uh, we saw how a hospital and was just bombed and everyone in the maternity ward was killed and all the babies and, and that was just a small fraction of what was going on. And those folks had to find a strength within to be able to get through that time. I remember my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather uh, served in World War II. He was uh, a rat of Tobruk. And if you don't know what the rats of Tobruk were, you should. You should. That's an important part of Australian history. So he was a rat of Tobruk, fought against Rommel in the western deserts of Africa and uh, held out there under uh, heavy bombardment and assault. And then uh, when the Japanese begin to uh, uh, make their way down towards northern Australia, coming to Papua New Guinea, uh, then he was deployed to go up to New Guinea and, uh, and fight up there. And, uh, you know, he went through all those years of the war, saw a lot of things, but he came back after that and he had a remarkable ability to just do life. And, uh, and uh, somehow, you know, to raise a family and uh, just, uh, must say, keep a marriage together his whole life, uh, raise six children. It wasn't perfect. Everything wasn't perfect. But they just had an ability. It seemed they had an anchor in life that so many lack today. And, uh, and I remember that generation, and I, I, I'm saddened that they've mostly uh, have gone. I'm, uh, I'm doubly saddened that the lessons of history are no longer being taught in our schools. Uh, you know, we have a generation that has been born using their phones and connectivity, and, and uh, they, they have no idea of what has happened before. And, of course, when you forget the lessons of history, the danger is you'll repeat the same mistakes. And uh, so there's a lot to think about there. And, I, I, you know, I get it, we can't fix the whole world, but we can learn lessons ourselves, and uh, we, can, we can be better for it. I want to just uh, talk to you uh, briefly this morning. It will be. It's not a long message. I want to talk to you about a more excellent way. And uh, I read Psalm 8 because it talks about the excellency of God. And, uh, and uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says to the Corinthians there, I show you a more excellent way. And uh, chapter 13, and bearing in mind when Paul said those things, there was no, the chapter delineations were not there. So when he said, I show you a more excellent way, he then went on to teach about love and hope and faith and charity. And uh, so I've been thinking as I uh, listen to people and watch what's happening around the world, it's concerning to me that for so many people, uh, life is just not working out that well. And uh, it concerns me that the, the choices and the things that people have used to guide their choices and their decisions in life have failed them uh, again and again and again. Uh, I was saddened to hear of uh, 500 of our uh, Defence Force personnel have taken their own lives uh, over recent times, and I knew that. Obviously, my son has served in the military, so I have some connection with that. Uh, but I'm saddened to hear about that. Uh, I'm saddened to hear about uh, how uh, so many Australians have lost their way uh, and uh, are troubled in so many ways. So there are many here today who uh, would be thinking maybe even about their own children 
and, uh, and some of their lives or thinking about people you know, or maybe even be thinking about your own life. And, uh, and I just want to say that, you know, there is a better way. Uh, and, uh, and I want to remind us this morning, the Bible teaches a more, a more excellent way. It seems in our, our day, I saw there were some protests in uh, Melbourne and other places through the week, and uh, it just seems that so many, so many people are just angry. And, uh, and they're just, they're angry about their life. They're, 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 they're almost looking for an injustice they can latch on to, to, to expel their anger, to just get it out there. And it seems like uh, whatever the problem is, as quick as we solve that one, they find another one. And really, the problem is not the problem. The problem is within. And I remember having a very brief uh, text chat with Penny Wong a few years ago, and uh, and it was very brief. But but uh, she was she was referencing uh, the need for you know ladies, women's elevation, etc. And uh, I said, Penny, um, the answer is not in the externals. And even though we fix those things, and and if we see apparent injustices, I'm all for looking at that. But really, what happens when we address the externals, but people are still crying out from within, still feeling angry, still feeling not satisfied? And that's what I'm saying. That's what we're going through. And by the way, she acknowledged that. She acknowledged that the externals cannot take care of the internals. Uh, and so, so I just want to say that there is a, a better way to live life. I was talking to some of our Thai people this week. We were discussing marriage. And uh, you understand that they come out of a background of... Buddhism, and I know you don't even fully understand that because most of you have never been a Buddhist, you've certainly never been a Thai Buddhist, unless you are a Thai Buddhist, and if you are, welcome to the service, we're glad you're here. <laughs> but uh, you probably don't have comprehension of, of what they know or don't know, how they live life. But they had no Bible, they have no knowledge of God. So when they get saved, salvation is the first step, and salvation is the first step for anybody. If you don't know Christ yet and you're trying to fix your life but you haven't got Christ in his right place, your attempts will mostly be in vain. The first step for everybody is to get Christ into your life and when you get Christ, you'll get healing and you'll get help and you'll get hope and he'll begin to help you get things back together again. And so we were chatting and they were saying, well, what... You know, there was a marriage coming up and we were discussing that. There were different views from different families. And I said, look, uh, uh, listen, the, the plan of God was that a young lady would grow up in her family's home under the authority of her father. And uh, then when she marries, she transfers under the headship of her husband. And I said, that's how God designed the world. And, uh, and I said, because some were arguing, they were saying, well, Pastor, we think that this person needs to go and get two or three years experience in the world before they marry. And I said, well, you can think that, but, but, but that's not biblical. And so when I shared, the, are, you, are you understanding what I'm saying? When I shared the Bible process with that, and by the way, if we did that, we'd have a lot less problems in our homes. But we have trashed the plans of God and, and replace them with our own thinking. And all that has come is more problems, more unhappiness and more broken homes. And so I said, you know, the plan of God is that the girl should grow up in her home uh, and, and she's under a father's protection and under a father's authority. And that it's not a hard transfer 
to then go to her husband. But it becomes very difficult if somebody has cast off all authority and then somehow uh, is told they have to get under it again. And when we say authority, you know, I, I almost feel I have to clarify that in this day and age. We're not saying slavery. We're not saying that you don't have an opinion. We're not saying you have to do all the work. We're just, we're just recognising that God has put headship over many things. And anything with two heads is a monster. One head is how God set it up. And uh, so sharing that, and they would just all went quiet. And they said, well, why didn't you teach us that before? And then I felt guilty. And I said, well, I forgot, or I'll, I will teach you. And they said, they said, you know, everything you have taught us, we live. But we can't live it if you don't teach us. And I thought about that. I thought that's really true, you know. Everything that they have learned, they have said, if this is God's way, we will do it. We will do it. If this is God's way, we will do it. But they said, we, if we don't know... How can we live that? And I said, I'm sorry. When I get back, priority, we will, we will, we will talk about this. But, but that attitude pleased me because not everybody has that perspective. Wouldn't it be refreshing if every Christian said, if it's God's way, we will do it. If, 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 if this is how God says to live life, we will do it. I remember when Suzanne and I got married. I hadn't been married before. And uh, so I had to try to find out, well, what am I supposed to be in the marriage? Well, I, I tell you what, I, I didn't go down and buy a book on psychology. I didn't ask someone who had experience because they'd been through four failed marriages. I went to God's word. And I said, Lord, show me in the Bible your word what I'm supposed to be in the home. And, uh, and Suzanne did the same thing. And neither of us are perfect, but I can tell you it does work. And when we had children, uh, we, we, we didn't go and buy psychology books on uh, how to raise children and, you know, paint the corner of the wall pink and get a naughty corner and don't spank them and whatever because that's an act of violence. And, you know, we, we just didn't subscribe to that. We said, Lord... What does the Bible say about how to raise our children? And, uh, and in the balance of that, we tried to apply that. And I want to tell you that what God says works. It'll work for you. It'll work in your home. It'll work for your children. It'll work with your money. It'll work with your mind. It'll work with your health. We've got to get back to the things that God said. And somehow, God's people have lost God's word in plain sight. Somehow, we have it, but we don't do it. Uh, some, somehow, we, 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 we've got Bibles, but we don't open them. And if we do open them, uh, what are we doing? Are we just, are we just reading to, to, to say that we've done our devotions today? I'm astounded when I meet people who tell me they've read the Bible 30 times and yet their life, they act like they've never read it. And I think, how can these things be so? What is, what is going on? If you're reading the Bible, are you doing the things the Bible is speaking to you about? 
When, when, when Jesus taught things, when the word of God says things, the first application of that is myself. It's not for me to read that and say, well, there's so-and-so mentioned in that verse. Or bless God, that's that other brother over there. First application is ourself. Where, and that's how God works with his word in your life. The Holy Spirit will illuminate and bring to your understanding the word of God and he'll touch your heart about those things. And what he's doing, he's trying to evoke from you a response to the word of God. And so you, you read something, whatever it is, and you want to say, Lord, help me to do that. And that's how we grow in our Christian life. Christian maturity is not measured by the number of years that you've been saved. Christian maturity is determined by your submission to the Spirit of God, your understanding of the Word of God, and how you live that out in your life. That is Christian maturity. And so as I'm looking at the world around me and uh, so many people have lost their way, uh, Australia's in, uh, you know, terrible trouble in so many ways. Uh, mental health issues, which I am not dismissing in any capacity, but are just at astounding levels. And we, we have to say, you know, what, what, is, what, is, what is going wrong? Why, why is that happening? And, and, and today people are on a quest to get another diagnosis, you know, to get another name that we can call our condition. Uh, and, and, you know, we don't just have conditions anymore. We have subcondition uh, of conditions. We don't even just have depression anymore. We've got eight kinds of depression. And we, 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 people now say, oh, I've got... The, I don't even know what those things are anymore. I say, what is that? Oh, it's a type of depression. Oh. And, uh, you know, I have this. I don't even know what that is. And I, I, I can't keep up with it anymore. And it seems like that, we're, that, that people are on a quest. You know, give me a name. Tell, tell me that it's a condition. Tell me my unhappiness is something that I can do nothing about. Tell me that the reason I'm like this is, is just because I have this thing. And, and we seem to be on a quest to find answers for our problems as long as it has nothing to do with our choices. As long as it has nothing and it's not helping people. It's not helping people. And we need to get back, at least, at least everybody in this room, if, if you're here this morning and you believe that the Bible is the word of God and you believe that holding in your hands the God-breathed, preserved words of God and you believe that God is the creator and you believe God and we've got to seek it out in its practicality and we've got to say, God, show me how to live. God, God, show me, show me how to have a good heart about things. Show me how to have a right mind. God, show me what I should be in my family. God, teach me how to make decisions. God, God, show me your value system lest I be indoctrinated with the perspectives of this world that I know are contrary to you. And we must re-immerse ourselves back in the word of God and believe that God has the answers for our life. And believe that what has worked for thousands and millions of others can work for you. We've got to get back to the word of God. You're either following the path of this world. And let me tell you, 
There, there is no answer out there. They expelled God a long time ago. They've got very little to offer you. The answer is to get to know Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the bridge to heaven, the way of life, the one who said he is the life, to get to know Christ and then to allow God to begin to put your life back together. But that will require your submission to the word of God. And I'm not asking you to submit to me. And I'm not asking you that you have to submit to someone. I'm asking you to submit yourself by choice and by will to the word of God. And, and let the Holy Spirit of God begin to show you who you are and what you need to do. And what are the steps to getting back to health and happiness, and hope, and a good future? The answer is not found out there. It's not out there. They're making more noise than they ever have, but they have no answers. Get back to the one who made you. God, I'm going to give you a message tonight that I believe, I'm going to teach you something tonight that I think will help you. But Paul said there is a more excellent way. There's an excellent God. That's right, he's really there. We've pushed him out of our schools, out of our homes, out of our psyche, out of our lives. Uh, we were told that a life without restraint and a life without religion would make us more happy. And I wonder how that's working out. Uh, yet there is a God uh, who is without doubt wonderful and excellent in all his ways. The Bible says that his goodness, his goodness is excellent. In Nahum 1.7 we read, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. The Lord is good. Let me tell you this morning, God is good. It's good to know God. There's, there's no one who will be more good to you than the Lord. He wants to help you. He's on your side. He wants it to get better. He's, he's not an impotent spectator of your pain. He's the great physician. He has the ability to step into your life and, and administer healing and hope and answers. But we have to get back to God. In Psalm 25, 8, we read, Good and upright is the Lord. In Psalm 34, 8, we, the Bible uh, calls us, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Find out for yourself. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And we need to really have a look at what we're leaning on in life. Because so often we have banished the scriptures out of our lives, thinking that, Maybe they're just kind of a mystical, spiritual thing that has no practical outworking for our life. Who will bring your healing if not the Lord? Who, what, what, upon what do you wait? Uh, wherein do you put your hope? Are, are you hoping that another medication will come? or I, 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 Do you think another psychologist will stumble on some great truth that's going to help humanity? If you're not waiting on the Lord, upon whom do you wait? 
The Lord is the one who can help you. The Lord can heal you. The Lord can help you with your mind. The Lord can help you with your uh, condition, whatever it is. His goodness is excellent. His gospel is excellent. You know, God wants every person in the world to come in contact with the gospel and to hear its message. Um, Mark 13.10, the Bible says of itself, and the gospel must be published among all nations. God said we've got to get the gospel to everybody because the gospel is the bridge to getting back to God and getting the help that we need for eternity and for now. In um, Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus picked up the word of God and read from it. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, I live with the poor. I, I, when I drive out of my church property, I'm surrounded by the poor. Many, many times I'll get on a little motor scooter and just drive through the villages around our church. And, and, and poverty is genuinely all around us. A poverty that where kids don't have a pair of shoes. Uh, a, a poverty where, where people think it's a blessing to have a meal. Kind of poverty where if your neighbour's cooking something and they invite you over and you get to eat there, you feel it was a good day. I, I'm just saying it's all around. And you say, what's the, what's the answer to the poor? Well, Jesus said to preach the gospel to the poor. Because when the poor know Christ, they get eternity, but they get help now. And, and don't tell me that doesn't work. I live somewhere where I've seen it again and again and again. I've watched God lift people out of poverty when they came to Christ. I've watched people get jobs who couldn't get them before. I've watched lives change. I've watched generations change when people find Christ. Don't tell me it doesn't work. I've seen that it works. I'm there every week. I'm, I'm not in a place where I have no answers. I know what the answer is. Now, that's why God said the gospel has to go out. Jesus said he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal. How do we miss that? How do we miss that? Christ, the great physician. And there are people who need healing There are people who, who need God's touch, God's peace on their mind. I remember the years of struggling with anxiety. And you, look, there, you, there are a million sources you can go to looking for answers on anxiety. But begging God that he would do something, and he did, and he did. You say, how do you explain that? I can't explain it, but to say that he did, he did. Or you say, you mustn't have been that bad. Or bad enough to be paralysed that I couldn't do life. Bad enough that I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't get on a plane. I couldn't go out where people were that bad. Bad enough that I, that I, I couldn't get around a crowd of people. You say, we never knew that. I hid it well. I'm just telling you, the Bible says that Jesus was sent to heal. To heal. And you're looking at someone who believes and is certain he still does that. He still does that. But we go to all the wrong sources. And I'm not dismissing medicines. And Jesus himself said the sick need a physician. And God has given us a doctors. And they do help us. But 
I'm telling you that, that Christ can do what no man can do. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. It's people who are caught up in things they can't get out of. Sometimes what you're caught up in is the old you. You can't escape the old you. It just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. He's supposed to be dead. Remember baptizing some of our people in a lake not too far from the church, which it turned out it had crocodiles in there and we had to stop. But it was a funny thing. It was baptizing 10 people one day. And I actually, Pastor Lloyd was there. Baptizing 10 people there one day. And uh, I, I was looking at the lake and I had a disturbed feeling in my spirit. And, uh, and I, said to the, I said to the men, I said, are there any crocodiles here? Oh, they've been gone for years. I said, are we sure of that? Yeah, sure. I said, good, walk out there a little bit and let me see. <laughs> and so they, I said, go ahead. So uh, I stood there and watched somebody walk out and, and they stopped about here. I said, a little deeper. And, uh, and I made them walk out. We're all looking. And uh, I paused for a few minutes to see if anything was going to happen. And, uh, and finally, uh, he came back in and I said, okay. And uh, so uh, I went out there and baptised about 10 people that day. The next week, I came by there again to plan the next baptism and I saw two large crocodiles, very, much bigger than me, basking on the sand right where we baptised. So we changed locations, thank you very much. <laughs> but I remember it's called, it was a lake, it was a lake there. I remember saying to one of my men, I said, you've changed, you've changed. And he said, yeah. He said, the, the old me floated away the day I got baptised. That's what he said. He said, he said, if you go out there, in Thai, it was very touching. He said, if you go out there, somewhere you might find him. He's, that's what he did. He's floating away out there. He said, he died and this one is alive. You know, the problem with some of us is he's floating out there, but he keeps resurrecting. He keeps coming back. The old you keeps moving in. And every now and then you get right with God and you evict him and then he comes back again. We, 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 we need the Lord to give deliverance to the captives. There is no bondage that you are in that Jesus cannot break those chains. There is no habit you have that cannot be altered by the power of God. Jesus can bring deliverance to the captives. And, and that's just the truth that unfortunately few people seize upon. He can recover the sight of the blind, he said, which means he will enable you to see what you could never see before. He will give you the ability to see yourself, to see others, to see the world, to get it all in the right context, to set at liberty them that are bruised. We have wounded people who have been wounded by life, wounded by broken relationships where you were hurt by people that you trusted and loved, wounded by events that happened in your home long ago, Wounded by the callous and unthinking words of the brethren. Wounded. Well, Jesus said, I'm here to heal that. I'm, I'm here that your bruises would go away and that, that you would be a different person. The gospel, it's an excellent gospel. The gospel is our invitation 
to respond personally to God's goodness. God who loves you, made you, knows you, gave his only son to die for your sins, uh, the one that has provided a way back for you so you can know God. That's the message of the gospel. Forgiveness is available. The Lord is standing with open arms calling you to come. And the tragedy is we shun that and go off to keep trying to do life on our own and it's just not getting better. And you're laying in bed alone at night and you're thinking or you're doing something to try to stop yourself thinking. And the answer is Christ. And the answer was always Christ. And if, if you're here this morning, this is not accidental. You're hearing this message this morning to help you or to help someone else or both. His character is excellent. The Bible says he's rich in mercy toward us. Psalm 103 verse 10 to 14 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. His mercy is excellent. He's ever reliable. In Malachi 3 verse 6 we read, For I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. I'll tell you what, everything in life is changing. The only, the only constant unchanging thing, listen to me, the only constant unchanging thing you have in your life is God himself. Because, because the people around you will leave you one day, one way or the other, or you will leave them. Uh, you will change, you will age, your life will change. Friends will come and friends will be gone. The thing that, the labours you gave your life to will go one day. And everything around us is changing. The only thing you have now that you'll still have at the end that just has not changed is God himself. The only, the only thing that accompanies you all the way through and never, ever changes is God himself. People change. But God never changes. You can rely upon him. He's the same. That's what he was saying. I change not. He wasn't trying to say I'm obstinate. He said I'm reliable. I'm still the same. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He never changes. Did you have breakfast and give thanks to the Lord this morning? I hope you did a little better than thank you, Jesus. Amen. Think about it. Every good gift cometh down from the Father above. When you sit down and you, you, you sit at the table with your family and your children and you look at the abundance of the food that God has provided, remember where this came from. Uh, when, when you have happiness and health, remember where this came from. The home that you will you'll go back to, 
the bed you lie yourself upon, the pillow that you cradle your head, the comforts that are your home. Every good gift cometh down from the Father above. It's all God. It's all God. And we ought to remember everything we have, he's given us. The, the beloved years you had with those you loved was a gift of God to you. The people who pray for you is a gift of God to you. Your children are a gift of God to you. Your grandchildren are a gift of God to you. The work that you enjoy, um, the provision you have, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. The Bible says there's no variableness, there's not even a shadow of turning. He's the same. He's ever reliable. You can rely upon God. He's not fickle or moody. He's not angry like other people are. He won't forget you and he'll never reject you. The world changes, people change, you're changing. People and things will pass away, but God stays with you presently through every stage and event of life. He's an excellent God. That's what the psalm was saying. Let me conclude this morning by saying he can give you an excellent life. In Matthew 7, verse 24, 27, what's all this, this Matthew 7, this Nahum, this, this psalm, what is this? These are the references that just reference the words that God has spoken. And that's all. We're just telling you what God said about himself. I don't write any speech this morning. We just tell you what God said. And Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25, the Bible said, Jesus taught, Therefore, whosoever... Now, whenever you get a whosoever, you need to remind yourself that that works for everybody. Whosoever doesn't exclude anybody. But we read whosoever's like perhaps some people. A whosoever is an everybody. Whosoever is you and me this morning. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. And that's it. That's the more excellent life. You'll notice he didn't just say whoever hears my sayings. There are many people who hear but do not do. There are people who know God but don't want God's instruction for their life. But he said, the person who hears my sayings and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, a solid foundation. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Brother, they beat upon every house beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And what he's saying is, if you build your life upon the foundation of the sayings of Jesus Christ, you will endure those things that come in life. Every marriage is tested. Don't, don't think that the, the people who are still together didn't have their testings. Every marriage is tested. Every family has problems. Every life will be assailed in some way 
by the things of this world. But Jesus is telling us if we will listen to what he says and will build our life upon those things, that even when all of that happens, we shall not be moved. And that's what I'm saying. My message to the world this morning is what you're doing does not work. The people you are listening to don't have the answers to help you. The majority is going off the cliff. And so many people find comfort that everybody's like me. Everybody thinks like me. Or, 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 or brother, Pastor Shemish, more people disagree with you than agree with you. Well, the majority, I'm telling you, is on a wide road headed for destruction. And get off that road. It's time to just, just look around and say, you know what, it's not working for them, it's not working for them, it's not working for them. What am I doing listening to all this? Hear the sayings of Christ and build your life upon that. And like I said when I started, the problem is we have lost the word of God in plain sight. We need to get back to it. Going through some of my books this past week, I found John R. Rice's book on the home. I remember reading that several times, wanting to know, what's the Bible say about how a home should be? And the tragedy is that nobody wants those books anymore. No, 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 nobody regards the Bible even has the answer for those things. We've, we've, we've lost it. We've lost it. And we've tried everything else. And, and, and we follow everybody else. And you've been so indoctrinated by the world, you, you don't even know where it starts and where it stops anymore. And you, you'll never know unless you immerse yourself again back to the Word of God. And I, and I, I don't just mean read it, I mean listen to it. And, and when God speaks to you, stop and meditate upon that. And do your business with the Lord. Let God help you. We seek advice and counsel and help from everything else but God's Word. And this book is what we need to teach us. The answers are here. They're here. You'll get to heaven and live 30% of the life you could have lived. And God will say it was right before you the whole time. You carried it around. You had it on your phone. You said you knew about it but you never listened and you never lived it and you never believed it and you lived 30% of the life you could have lived if you, didn't get, if you had just allowed the word of God to have its proper place in your life. I'm telling you now, what worked for the last generation who believed this still works today. What worked for the people 500 years ago who believed this still works today. This hasn't changed and neither has the author. He's the same. He's the same. Get back to the word of God. Uh, go, go, and, go and tell the Lord, I want your way. I want you to show me. When you show me, I'll believe it. If you show me, I'll do my best to do it. I might need your help because I struggle with that sometimes, but I'll try. I'll try. But Lord, I'm... I'm 
I'm elevating, I'm elevating the book back to its right place. I'm elevating the book. And I yield myself to this. I yield myself. And Lord, use it to change my life. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, it starts with you calling out to Christ. And if you'll admit you're a sinner, he'll be your saviour. He died for you. He loves you. He's already been waiting for you to come. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the answer. I'm telling you this from someone who wasn't raised in a religious family, who had an alcoholic dad, never set foot church in my life. I wasn't birthed into this. But God found me, and I know what I'm telling you is true. And as sure as he found me, he's still looking for people today. This is the answer to rebuilding your life. Let's have a word of prayer together. And we're going to have a closing song. Brother Paul, I want you to come up. And I'll let the piano player to come. And we're going to have a word of prayer. Is there anybody here this morning as their heads are bowed, their eyes are closed? It would be negligent of me to close the service and not give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your own saviour. You may be young, you may be old. You may have already heard about this, but you just haven't done anything yet. Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor Shemish, pray for me today. I want to receive Christ as my saviour. I'm ready to start the journey with Jesus and I want you to pray for me today. If there's anyone like that, raise your hand. I'll pray for you. I'm looking, nobody else is. Anybody in the service this morning, you want to receive Christ as your saviour. If there's anybody here like that, it starts with knowing Christ. And maybe you already know him. So I would say, I already know him. I'm thankful. I can remember salvation in my life. But it is true what you said this morning, Pastor. We do need to get back to the word of God. And I have erred a little bit in that. And by the grace of God, I'm going to just elevate the word of God to its proper place in my life. If that's your prayer and God spoke to you like that this morning, would you raise your hand if God spoke to you like that? Many people across the auditorium this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. I'm going to stand and sing. When we sing, if you want to pray, you can do that. I'm not giving an invitation this morning, but I'm not stopping you from coming. You can do your business with God. Father, thank you for these who have gathered. Thank you for your mercy in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to say, I don't know what the answer is. Lord, you have the answer and you can help us. I ask your blessing on marriages that have looked every which way for help. But I pray, Lord, that they would look up to you. I pray for a miracle of healing and restoration. And I pray, Lord, you do what people cannot do by thy power. I pray for changed lives for people who are different than they were before. I pray, Lord, the love of Christ would be in us and come out of us. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, to, to remember thee, to remember your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. A thousand thank yous for your goodness. You never change. You never fail us. You never leave us. We never walk alone. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. You're good, good, good. We love you and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.